Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. And that's right, that was Kenny Chesney, and it is summertime, even though we just have a couple weeks left here as we are wrapping up the summer, but happy to be back on the radio this Saturday morning, and I'm excited about today's guest. Coming up in our next segment is Suzanne Carbonero. Suzanne is the Director of Assessment at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at the University of the Sciences. And she also happens to be my sister, and not just my sister, but my big sister. So uh, she'll have a lot to say and a lot to comment on coming up here in the next segment. Uh, But happy to be back on the radio this morning. Before we get to uh, my sister Suzanne, we are going to talk about today's topic. And again, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond. We are on the following stations. Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio on the following frequencies. 94.1 FM, 94.9 FM, 105.7 FM, 106.1 FM, and 101.5 HD2, and also 1340 on the AM. Gavin, uh, my producer, is here on this radio, here with me today. Gavin, that's a lot of frequencies for Wall Radio. Well, we're just that good. We need that many frequencies. And that's good. And I, uh, I hope my listeners are enjoying the show again on all those uh, frequencies on WDLC, WYNY, and Wall Radio. Also, if you don't happen to catch the show live, you can go to any of those apps, Country 107, WDLC, YNY, or Wall Radio. They all have an app, and the show is on demand. That being said, let's get right to it. Today's concept is make it happen. Again, I have the director of assessment for the College of Pharmacy at the University of Sciences coming up. That's my sister, Suzanne Carbonero, and she is a make it happen type person. She's a high energy person and she is an action person. And that's why I selected today's theme, make it happen, uh, because of my sister, Suzanne. It also, as I'm preparing to release my book, my first book coming out, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving, it's coming out this September. Uh, I've read it multiple times, proofreading it and uh, sending it to different venues to uh, be produced. That line is in the book often. I say, make it happen. Uh, I'm giving advice about leadership. I'm giving advice about being a principal. And really, there are so many things in the book. There are so many things in our lives that it really is up to you to make them happen. And uh, I jotted down the, the saying here I got from my friend, Dr. Gilbert. If it is to be, it's up to me. And you're the leader. Again, if you're listening to the show, it might just happen to be on the radio, but maybe you've started listening because you're a leader in your own life, whether it's in the field of education, whether it's in your family, your uh, type of work that might be different. You're enjoying it and you're liking the themes on there. Well, today's theme is make it happen. And I jotted down a couple notes in preparing for the show and reflecting on what I wanted to say, 
there's so many things in our personal life and in our professional lives uh, that we're going for. There's goals, uh, things we are, 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 are aiming to, to have happen for us, things that we are striving for. And if you have that mentality, make it happen, you really can just put pen to paper, your feet to the, to the ground and get moving on them. Last week's guest was Becky Fedorik. She is uh, the summer school principal at Port Jervis High School, and she's also our French teacher. And she talked about goal setting. And she talked about, I had asked her, what's the thing in her life that she's most proud of besides her job and her family? And she talked about the ability to plan and set out her goals. And that falls under today's theme, make it happen. So I jotted down a couple of uh, thoughts, things to think about. So again, hopefully you're sitting somewhere nice. You got the radio on. Hopefully it's a beautiful Saturday. We're recording several days before here. Jot these down. Number one in your life, uh, your attitude. You are in 100% of your attitude and how you carry yourself, how you conduct yourself. And uh, again, I learned from my friend, Dr. Gilbert. He has a great saying here. Your actions change your attitudes. Your emotions change your emotions. And your movements change your mood. Again, your actions change your attitudes, your emotions change your emotions, and your movements change your moods. Think about that in your life, how simple it sounds on paper, but you can put into action and change those things. You can make it happen. How about ownership? As a leader, as the principal of the school, it all falls on my desk. Anything that happens, even if I wasn't directly involved, I have to take ownership of it, and I'm the boss. I'm the principal. So in your life, what are the areas that you are uh, in charge and and can show leadership? You have to take ownership in there, and and for things that to occur or not to occur, you have to make them happen. Energy and enthusiasm. I am starting to dial back my my bedtime here in the summer. I'm I'm not a late guy anyway. I like to, to get up early and enjoy the day. Uh, But certainly in the summer, I I might stay up a little bit longer. It's a little bit brighter. It's not as cold, that's for sure. Uh, But that energy and enthusiasm, I need to make sure I get my rest. I need to make sure I get to bed early. I need to make sure I eat right. If one of my goals is to exercise before school this year, I can't be up till 11, 12 o'clock at night and then expect to get up at 4, 4.30 to exercise uh, and then to be in school on time. So... That's one of the things I like to do is have energy and enthusiasm in my life, in my job. And if I want to make it happen, I have to put those things into place in order to make those things happen. Another uh, theme I have in the book that falls under make it happen is getting a mentor in your life. What are some of the goals that you have? What are some of the things that you're trying to accomplish? And who are people you know, or maybe you don't know them, that are good at that. It is something that you want to do. Do you have a mentor and, uh, or someone you know who is an expert in that field? Send them a letter. Write them an email. Contact them somehow uh, and ask them, would they become your mentor? Would that be somebody uh, that, can, that can help you make it happen? Uh, I've had a number of people on the show. This is show number 11, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. And I've had a number of people 
uh, on the show so far that I consider mentors and friends and uh, people I admire in their work, including next week we're going to have John Exantis, the superintendent of Valley Central Schools, who used to be the superintendent in Port Jervis. He's going to be on, and he's become a great uh, friend and mentor to me. Uh, and and uh, again, I've, I've learned a lot from John Exantis. He's all over that book I wrote because of things I've learned from him. Lastly, under the theme of making it happen, what is the most important thing you can do on a daily basis for your job? What is the thing that you'd like to accomplish each and every day? And how do you make that happen? I have uh, written down here, and one of our goals this summer, uh, working with my assistant principals, is getting into the classrooms more. You know, I'm the principal at the school, and you might, if you're sitting at home and you don't work in the school, you could say, well, how, how could you not get into the classrooms? Well, certainly there's a lot of things that come at you and different things that happen during the day that could take you out of there, but we are planning that. We are going to make it happen to be in those classrooms more, to be with our staff, to be with the students, to make sure things are running correctly. And that's one of the things that I want to make happen more of this year. So I'm going to put things in place in order to do that. So again, those are just a couple of things uh, that fall under the theme, make it happen, having a good attitude, ownership of of things under in your control or even not in your control sometimes as the boss whatever your field is you have to say yep that's on me and i'll take care of it whether it was directly your fault or not having great energy and enthusiasm getting a mentor and accomplishing the most important things for your job putting it in place to make those things happen Again, our guest coming up next is Suzanne Carbonero. She is going to be, uh, uh, she is the Director of Assessment at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. And I'll share a quick story uh, before Suzanne comes on the air. Uh, My niece and her daughter, Caitlin Carbonero, and I'm sure her son uh, is listening as well, Christopher Carbonero. So a shout out to both Caitlin and Chris. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit uh, with Caitlin and uh, Suzanne, as her, as her mom, when Caitlin was younger, she, would die, she was diagnosed, excuse me, with mitochondriosis, which is a disorder uh, related to your cells in terms of making energy and having the energy as a, as a young child and a young baby to thrive. And she was diagnosed with that, uh, but it took a long time for my sister and her husband to, to find out what was going on with Caitlin. And when I reflected about today's show and I thought about today's show, I really, I asked my sister and and my niece if that would be okay to talk about this. But Suzanne, with her will and her energy and and her make it happen attitude, she stayed on it. She stayed on with the doctors. She stayed on and did so much to push to get Caitlin the proper treatment and early intervention so Caitlin would... uh, come out of that and and she did and she is a big strong young lady now she's athletic she's become a track runner and uh, she's approaching her high school here uh, in New Jersey and I'm proud of Caitlin and really just wanted to share that story about how my sister Suzanne had that make it happen attitude in order to get the best health care and the best for her child 
Now, we always, no matter how much we try in terms of medical issues, sometimes, no matter what we do, uh, those medical issues do take over. And uh, But in this circumstance, Suzanne had a make-it-happen attitude that she was going to get the best for her child and do the best for her child. And I uh, really thought of that in reflecting on today's show. That being said, Suzanne is coming up next on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We will be right back. Yeah, yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to De Niro. But I'll be heard forever. And good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Up next, we do have our special guest today, Suzanne Carbonero. Uh, Ms. Carbonero is the Director of Assessment at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at the University of the Sciences. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning, Andrew. It's great to have you on and uh, appreciate you, you making the time in uh, your busy schedule. Suzanne, let me first compliment you on your uh, music selections today. Uh, it's one of the nice aspects of the show is to hear the music selected by uh, each guest. So great job on the music. Well, thank you. They all depict uh, a portion of my life that uh, I feel that I was able to be uh, resilient uh, within the realm of whatever that was. So born to run, you know, just building the uh, the fitness aspect of my life as a result of uh, other challenges that, that came through. So uh, I appreciate uh, being able to personalize uh, my story through through music. And uh, we're going to get into that in our next segment. Uh, but Suzanne, I know you heard in the first segment, uh, we talked about the theme, Make It Happen. And uh, I selected that theme for several reasons. Uh, one, that it's, it's in my upcoming book, but really, it, it, in my opinion, describes a lot of uh, how you live your life. Suzanne, so my first question is, you know, where, where as an educator, where did you get that drive in, in your life? And, and how do you use that, that theme of making it happen in your life as an educator? I think it's in your value system, that idea of making it happen. I think it's instilled in you when you are young and the uh, folks that you're surrounded by in your early years, you you model examples of folks that um, are resilient um, because I, I almost equate uh, make it happen to the word resilient uh, because it is our responsibility as individuals to look at uh, a particular opportunity or experience or a challenge and problem solve, not just give into it. Uh, that, that challenge is not what defines you. It is your ability to overcome, to problem solve, to use your resources. And I think that the folks that were in um, our early life and, you know, just moving through the education system and went to private school and, you know, into college, I think I, I always was um, 
aware of those people that did that, that modeled that kind of behavior, and I gravitated towards them. So although I may have been able to exemplify to you that whole idea of resilience and make it happen, I have to give credit to the folks that I have been surrounded by and that I actually intentionally wanted relationships with in order to be able to uh, continue that behavior and, and become the person that I have become. And, and who are some of those people, Suzanne? I, you know, I talked in the opening segment. Uh, you're my sister. You're not only the director of assessment uh, there at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, but you're also my sister. So who, who were some of those people in your life uh, growing up? So, I mean, the very first person that has to come to my mind is our grandmother, Murata, and um, just the the life that she led, um, having to raise uh, her siblings because of the unfortunate uh, death of her father uh, when she was uh, about 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, and then the loss of her husband, um, you know, when he was only in his 50s. Uh, you, know, you look at your 50s, it's not that far away. And, uh, you know, she lost her husband and she had to be resilient. So just, you know, her life circumstances, just, wow, could she really do that? I always looked at her as this very, very strong person who I asked advice, not because, you know, she had worldly experience, but because of the day-to-day challenges. So, you know, I think it started there. And I all, I believed because of her and because of the, I, I guess, uh, perhaps the confidence that she instilled in me that I could do anything that I set my mind to. Um, and, and I took that with me into private school. Um, you know, uh, certain subjects were a challenge for me. I you had know, some opportunities not to be able to sit still. But there were things that I focused on that I was very good at. And I think that that's really important. Um, you know, uh, reading the Strength Finders book um, and going through that Strength Finders training as a, as a new employee uh, at, at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, I I realize that it's really important to hone in on your strengths. Um, Not that your weaknesses should be something that's so far away, but hone in on your strengths and let those carry you. And so um, there were teachers in in my private school area that were able to identify my strengths, my ability to write well, my ability to utilize my critical thinking skills, my ability to problem solve, you know, history and English, the the humanities, journalism, those were my strengths. And so I focused on that. So I think of those teachers, you know, Mr. Callahan, who was the, uh, my journalism teacher, Miss Murphy, who recently passed away, who was my, my history teacher. And I carried that confidence into college. Those folks, Al Montanero, who recently passed at the University of Plattsburgh uh, in the state university system, he believed that I could do this. And so therefore I did. And then I think, you know, ultimately the, the, the consistent thread through all of this had to be my dad, who started his own, or our dad, started his own business, um, felt that he could um, one day uh, own the business for which he, he delivered uh you know, medication to the neighborhoods. Um, he went to St. John's. He pushed himself. He he worked really hard. Uh, I I appreciated that hard work, and I knew that it wasn't going to come easy to me. 
Um, and I had to put that time in. So I think the modeling of these folks, and then, you know, when I moved into my career, you know, my, my former dean at Ryder University, Sharon Sherman, was someone that I, I modeled the behavior of, of resilience and, and strength. And uh, I was happy and I am fortunate that I have been able to find these people that have carried me um, when I needed to and helped me to learn when I was unsure of, of a new subject area. I honestly believe I can do anything and learn anything because I know how my mind works and I know my confidence level. And those are great people that impacted your life. And, and Suzanne, I wanted to share the story uh, this morning on the radio when I was a, a, a boy here doing my, my paper route. Something happened that gave me that make it happen uh, impact uh, from from you to me. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story, but it was a, a beautiful uh, day, and and I was collecting for the newspapers. I was collecting my two dollars and uh, hoping to get a tip out of there. And the, and the one lady yelled at me, saying that the paper was wet this morning and she wasn't going to tip me for the week. And I was very upset. I was probably you know, nine or ten years old, and. I came home and you, you could tell that something was the matter and I told you what happened and you said, the paper's wet. It was, it was beautiful today. It didn't rain. How is the paper wet? And I hadn't even thought about it. I was just so upset I didn't get the tip and the lady yelled at me. And you grabbed my hand and we went back to that house and you banged on the door and you told the lady, hey, you owe my brother a dollar here. You, you know, he, he, the paper, the, we saw the sprinkler. That's what it was. The, we saw the sprinkler hitting the stairs, uh, but it wasn't on when I had delivered the paper. And you made it happen. You made a, that, that wrong uh, a right. And I always remember that story. Uh, and I wanted to share it uh, this morning. So thank you. And, and thanks for getting me that dollar, Suzanne. Oh, yeah. Of course, you got to use your resources, right? Pay attention <laughs> to what's going on in your environment and to help helps you to problem solve right that's all that was but i'm glad it's it's something memorable that you keep with you oh yeah and suzanne let's talk a little bit about uh your job now you know impacting learning suzanne you're the director of assessment um how do you impact the learning uh, as the director of assessment at the philadelphia college of pharmacy how do you do that yeah so when i was hired to do this and i want to preface this uh, andrew as you as you probably know i'm a career changer into education um again a, a situation arose where i was um moving toward a, a new learning trajectory and i took on the role because of my background in in technology and critical thinking and, and those things that i was mentioning earlier um, i had an opportunity to grow this part of my career path. And so now at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, I was hired for my expertise in my ability to design and look at curriculum and to design assessments that um, did two things. One, that provided students information about their learning, about their mastery of skills. The Philadelphia College of Pharmacy is doing something very innovative with its uh, curriculum. It is a competency driven curriculum so it's this whole idea of you know with these eyeballs on higher ed students are paying a lot of money to go to, to college and employers are saying well what do they really know what is an A in marketing what does an A in statistics really mean what does it look like in the workplace so it really comes down to the competency the A means nothing if you didn't learn anything if there was a severe curve in your course 
it, it, you didn't transfer the skills. So the, the, the assessments that I'm helping to um, create and direct um, are assessments that will not only give us information about how well and how effective we're delivering this curriculum of a competency-based uh, program for aspiring pharmacists, um, but it also gives students real-time information about how they're meeting those skills. So if one of the skills is communication with patients, we have to set up assessments that actually give students the opportunity to practice this. So these are real-time assessments, much like you know you think about professional learning experiences. If professional learning experiences aren't personalized, relevant, and connected to the work that you're doing in the classroom, or in this case, to the work that uh, future pharmacists will be doing in the field, um, then, then it, it, it doesn't make any sense. They're a waste of time. So we're looking at developing assessments that are aligned to the curriculum that is competency-based and giving students real-time information to understand what they need to know, what they do know, and how to grow that. And I think that that's my philosophy around assessment. Um, take away the numbers and everything else. Can you do this skill that we're asking you to do? And if you can't, shame on us because maybe we didn't provide the, the uh, opportunities to expand that knowledge through uh, lecture-based and hands-on learning, you know, a combination. Or shame on the student for not taking the opportunity to grow his or her competency in that field. And Suzanne, you talked about the skill of, of communication. And, you know, I know you're a very good public speaker. And the name of this show is Education, Leadership and Beyond. And, and you know, I, I know as a leader, you, you have to be able to communicate effectively, whether it's in a one on one conversation or to a group or an audience. How did you develop your skills as a, as a public uh, speaker, uh, Suzanne? And, and do you enjoy presenting at, at conferences and presenting to, to educators? So my background in public speaking has to come from my passion of in broadcast. So as a kid, remember this, uh, I had a stereo system. I was so excited. It actually had a cassette tape in it. And so that made me really excited. Did I ever so I did I ever touch it when I was little? To um, probably you probably broke it. <laughs> probably put left it in pause or something, and, it, and then it was probably stuck there. Anyway, I was really excited. I got it for my eighth grade graduation, and I you know I used to be DJ, and I used to do a radio show, quote unquote, from my room while you guys were outside, and I would record my voice, and I would sort of do you know sort of this radio show style of of uh, you know production in my room, and so I took that drive and that passion with me into um, my field of, of broadcast journalism. I, I, as you know, I went to Boston University for my master's degree in this area. And, um, you know, I was constantly focused on, and we're from Staten Island originally, on that, that New York City dialect that would um, often, uh, I think, um, not only say hold me back, but I think it would prejudge how people perceived you um, when you spoke. And so I didn't want that. I wanted to have a, um, a, a, an accent, if you will, that um, was more universal, that you wouldn't really be able to tell right away 
is this person from New York? Because I didn't want to be stereotyped. Not that there's anything wrong with New York. I mean, I love New York, but I, I don't think that, that that is relevant information to whatever I'm um, presenting. So I, I worked on that. And when I was um, 23 and I, I finished grad school and I was moving out into the real world, I had a conversation with uh, one of my former professors at Plattsburgh State, Al Montanero. And he said to me, you know, Suzanne, you should really think about teaching public speaking because you, it comes naturally to you. You, you put a lot of energy and thought and purpose into the words you choose. There are a lot of people that could really benefit from that. You need to impact more people. Make sure that you look for an opportunity to teach that. Now that you have your master's, I know you want to work in journalism, and I get that. But remember to give back. And so I, I did that. So I, I pushed out some resumes to different schools. And um, yeah, I, I got jobs you know, teaching uh, in the television production field. And, uh, and I love that. But I did get a job teaching public speaking. And I perfected that skill. And I really did a lot of self-study. I mean, you know, when a textbook uh, is, is published, it's almost like it's out of date before it, uh, it even gets to the hands of students. And so you have to pull a lot of resources together. And in the beginning, this was before the internet. So I had to pull a lot of resources together. And I built a course that I felt made sense. And I taught at Columbia Business School for a while. And I worked with growing professionals. And the one thing they said that held them back from getting promoted was their inability to present in public or in one-on-one situations, which is more of an interpersonal opportunity. And I wanted to help them. And I really took that, that challenge that my professor gave me and said, I have to help people that may not have that skill or that outgoing personality. And I put a lot of self-study and a lot of research. And then I, I presented on this research. I worked with students with um, uh, challenging backgrounds from across New Jersey and New York, uh, folks that had uh, no family modeling going on, no, no positive impact or influence around them, uh, folks that uh, were working multiple jobs and putting themselves through school. The Educational Opportunity Program at Rider University uh, is, is a terrific program, and I work with those folks to design relevant professional learning experiences that would elevate these folks, that would give these folks a voice. So I've made a career around this, but I've also embedded it into my practice. And so to your point, yeah, I like presenting at conferences. I feel confident in my ability to uh, depict an idea and to carry that idea and to let it sort of flesh and mesh with, with the audience. I like to bring research in. I know the importance of credibility and establishing that with your audience. These are all tools. I think, you know, I think it, it, it's most important to think about we retain 90% of what we teach, right, and do, right? We don't retain information that we memorize. I mean, that's lower level learning. We retain 90% of what we do and teach. And so I think because I was teaching the course and I wanted it to be the best and I wanted to impact the most people, I was teaching myself ways to do that. And it wasn't one textbook or one course or one training. It was a lifelong learning experience. So, you know, come multiple years later, I'm still bringing these skills into the classroom with now pharmacy students. 
and giving them opportunities to showcase this, designing assessments around it. And I continue to teach as an adjunct at, at a variety of institutions to provide this, this service. I think it's a public service because folks are very much locked into their cubicles, um, you know, accounting majors and, and folks that don't have that disposition to speak up. Uh, we need to help them get a voice. And so I feel like in some way um, I was able to do that from those early beginnings where I was playing music on my stereo system as a, as a rising ninth grader to, to who I am now. And speaking of playing music, we're going to cue some music in. Suzanne, we are up against a commercial break. We will be right back with our guest, Suzanne Carbonero, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. I'm going to tell you about my town. I'm going to tell you big facts to And welcome back, everybody. Good morning. Uh, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. I am Andrew Murata, and happy to host our guest today, Suzanne Carbonero. She's the Director of Assessment at the College, Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, and she is my sister. Suzanne, great job uh, in the opening segment. Suzanne, I wanted to touch on uh, a little bit before we get to our family, uh, the use of social media as an educator. You you are uh, in uh, very much involved with the social media. You've taught me a lot about how to use it as an educator and why it's important. Tell me about using social media as an educator and why it's important. I think it's important to be a connected educator, and I think it's important to use your resources and to develop a professional learning network that gives you the opportunity to continue to grow. Educators need to be lifelong learners, and you're not going to learn from one resource. You're going to learn from multiple. So I think social media opens up the world to to that, you know, um, it's endless, right? It, it, to, to that whole idea of lifelong learning and multiple sources. So for me, I took it as a charge multiple years ago. Um, I believe I jumped on Twitter back in 2008, 2007, 2008. So I've been on it a number of years and I've grown. So there, there are basically three platforms for which I use it. I use it to enhance my running. And so I, you know, I don't think I'm an expert runner. Um, so I want to build that expertise every day. So I, you know, I pay attention to the important information that's out there from multiple sources, including runners themselves. I want to grow as an educator. So I follow a, a terrific, very robust educator group um, on multiple chats. And uh, that's important to me. And I follow sports and I'm a you know sports writer for a Yankee blog. And I think it's important for me to know what fans are thinking and what other um, media are posting about our team, particularly the Yankees. But, you know, I'm also a baseball fan. And so that's really why I use social media. And I think everything's kind of built around that. And I think, as you know, I mean, motivational quotes and motivational 
uh, words and phrases are important to me. So I like to push that kind of information out from a content point of view, things that have helped me that, again, will impact a greater audience. And Suzanne is on Twitter at Suzy Prof. That's at S-U-Z-I-E. P-R-O-F, at Suzy Prof, uh, and you certainly can follow her, and you've introduced me to that robust uh, group of educators, and, and I thank you for that, uh, but a lot of people still in their mind use social media kind of as a way to talk about what they're doing on an, in that evening, talk about what they had for dinner, uh, but as educators, there are so many resource out, resources out there, and uh, you've done a great job connecting me. So, Suzanne, another thing you mentioned about sports and, and um, you know, your your beloved Yankees, you do write that uh, blog on, on bleedingyankeeblue.com. Tell me about that, Suzanne, and, and how did that get started? Yeah, so I started writing for Bleeding Yankee Blue probably about five years ago, and it came about because I started following the content, and I related to it from a fan's perspective I've been a Yankee fan my whole life, and um, it's something that I've always followed. And when I was going through the realm of broadcast journalism, I did some sports writing and some sports producing and broadcasting. And so it's always been part of me. So I was, you know, just sharing content and sharing remarks about, you know, certain pieces. And the, uh, the, the editor, Robert Casey, contacted me and said, Suzanne, hey, would you, would you like to write for us? We want to do some sample pieces. And I started to do it. And he says, you're hired, uh, essentially. So I, I write um, my posts a couple days a week. You can generally find my posts uh, on Bleeding Yankee Blue um, on Wednesdays and Sundays, but you can also go on the archive and, and read Susie Pinstripe is my, my pin name on Bleeding Yankee Blue. But I think it's important to engage with fans and it's a different style of writing. It's a style of writing that's very relevant and authentic to the fans' speech. So, you know, you write with that in mind that the audience needs to understand what you're saying and you take really interesting nuggets and you kind of weave them through um, a very different path. And I try to bring my personal life into that, whether it's running or achievement of goals. Recently, uh, I wrote about um, my son and I going to the WFAN Fan Fest outside of Yankee Stadium, and that I was introducing my almost 20-year-old son to my favorites, to my Bucky Dent, uh, who was a favorite of mine, to, to uh, you know, David Wells and to Mickey Rivers and thanking them for giving me so much joy. And now here's my son. And that's the approach I took. And, that, and that's the way I wrote the piece. And I think fans really appreciated that because it is a family-oriented uh, blog as well. And I, and I think families read it together and talk about games. Uh, you know, we haven't lost sight of that completely. Um, and so that's what I hope to engage uh, folks in doing. And uh, baseball does bring families and friends together. And uh, I've watched you write that blog when we've been on vacation together and, and include your family. And uh, here's your son now playing baseball for Syracuse University, uh, you know, leading, leading a life of, of baseball due to your passion. So kudos to you and, and your boy, Christopher. And we'll give uh, Chris a shout out uh, this morning. Suzanne, you, you've mentioned running, uh, and that's near and dear uh, to our hearts. Uh, we lost our, our father years ago after uh, completing the marathon, and uh, those that, that know me that are listening uh, 
have probably seen the video if you go into uh, YouTube and you type in Joe Morata Marathon, and that's M-A-R-O-T-T-A. You could see the video of my dad um, uh, completing his fourth marathon, and unfortunately he did pass away after that. But uh, again, YouTube, you could type in Joe Morata Marathon. And uh, Suzanne, that really, that uh, episode and that, that incident and the experience you know, catapulted you to really be, become a runner. You you took part uh, in that with mom the year after, and that really spurred something that's now become a major part of your life, and that's and that's running. Um, tell me about that experience, Suzanne, and 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 now you have such a passion for running, and and you and your daughter, you and, and Caitlin uh, are big runners. Tell me tell me about that passion for running, and uh, what do you enjoy so much about it? I think it's twofold, Andrew. I think when our father passed away at such a young age, it made me recognize that, um, you know, we are uh, fragile and life is fragile and we need to take better care of ourselves. And so I think I wanted to do something that would help make me fit and more healthy. Uh, Not that I was necessarily unhealthy, but, you know, I I could have stand to lose some pounds and I changed my lifestyle um, I changed my, my diet and, and eating and uh, sleep. I know you mentioned sleep in the first uh, part, you know, the importance of taking care of your body and getting enough sleep. I started to really reflect on the experience of, of my dad passing and him not being able to, to live into his twilight years and be able to, um, I think, reap the benefits of, of uh, a lot of the resources that he wanted to utilize later on in life. And so I, it was twofold. It was an opportunity to, to take better care of myself, um, but it was an opportunity for me to release uh, energy or negativity uh, that would hold me back from my job, from being a mom, from you know, taking care of my community in various ways. So I feel like I'm a better person because I run and because instead of maybe uh, engaging in an argument with someone, uh, I'll go out and run. Um, If I have a challenging day ahead of me, I will get up earlier to get my run in. And it's about me competing with myself. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. I've lost probably about 60 pounds since I started running um, and built muscle back uh, that I didn't have because I, I do do this in a very healthy way. I incorporate uh, cross training and, um, you know, different styles of runs, not just long runs. And I completed my seventh marathon last year and uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And this year I'll be in Philadelphia uh, running uh, for that marathon for the third time. But I think, you know, running for me is what I think other people, um, you know, do other things that are they're passionate about. They drink coffee or, you know, that maybe they're very passionate about music and they like to use that to reflect. Running is a reflection tool that I is a part of my life. And so, I will follow a healthy running schedule uh, that makes sense to my body. I will get my fitness in and I will continue to improve and get faster as a runner because it's important to me and I, I carve the time out to do that. And I know you'll be back in Philadelphia this week to see your buddy uh, Tim McGraw. You and I have had that experience uh, together. But Suzanne, we're going to take uh, another commercial break and we will be right back 
education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving. We are on Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio. We'll be right back with our guest, Suzanne Carbonero. Summertime. It means so many things. It's tailgating in the parking lots, being free, and living easy. But for me and the guys on the road, summertime means all the fans are bringing all these songs alive. The same. Summertime is finally here. That old ballpark man is back in gear. See the lights. School's out and the night's rolling, man. Just like a long lost friend. And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond Surviving and Thriving. This is Andrew Murata, and we are on Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio. We have our guest today, Suzanne Carbonero, the Director of Assessment at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. Uh, And before we uh, get back to Suzanne, a a quick recap of of today's show. We opened with the theme of make it happen. Make it happen in your life as a leader. Make it happen in your life as a parent by taking action for the things that you want to accomplish. Uh, we talked about the, the things in your daily life. What's the most important thing you want to accomplish? Make it happen. Your attitude, your energy and enthusiasm, all within your control and, and making those happen. Getting a mentor in your life, getting someone uh, who can help you and assist you in your life. And, and our guest, Suzanne Carbonero, uh, touched on that as well. And uh, we just let in with Kenny Chesney, uh, Suzanne. And I wouldn't say he's a, a mentor in your life, but uh, we both enjoy Kenny Chesney music. And uh, a quick question, Suzanne, you got a high energy, you're, you're, you're uh, involved with social media, you're a professor, you're a parent, you're a runner, you're a passionate Yankee fan. You know, Kenny Chesney has that song, Your Old Blue Chair. Where is that spot in your life, uh, Suzanne, that, that you can kick back, that you can relax, that you can catch your breath, uh, like Kenny talks about in the, in, the sh- in the show? For me, I think my old blue chair is making sure that there is time to do that. And I do that through running. I know that if I've had a challenging day, I have that blue chair of run ahead of me, that road, which is my blue chair to run and think and plan and maybe come down off of the day. So for me, uh, my old blue chair is, is running and then that helps me do or be a better me for others, you know? So that, that's how I would approach uh, that question, Andrew. Awesome. Suzanne, this last portion of the show is a, is a write-in show, so our, our guests, our listeners, uh, can email in a question, and they could send those to andrew at com, or you could send them uh, on, t- uh, on Twitter at andrewmarada21. So our audience listening at home has a chance to email in a question for me or our guests. You could also follow Suzanne at Suzy Prof. That's at S-U-Z-I-E-P-R-O-F. So Suzanne, you know, you're at the college level. You're seeing students. You have, your, your son is a college student. 
uh, quickly, what what is the most important things or th- you know, things or thing that you think a high schooler can do to best prepare for college to be successful in college? Get involved. I think high schoolers, because of their nature, and this is typical of, of high schoolers, uh, typical of youth, um, they, they come into high school and even college very insulated from the world, very uh, for lack of a better word, narcissistic, because that's just the, that's just where they are at that point in their life trajectory. And so I think it's our job as educators to help them get involved, help them open up and use their skills, much like I talked about before with making a greater impact through public speaking and being encouraged to do that as a, as a young 20-something-year-old. So a high schooler uh, that gets involved is able to do multiple things, uh, hone in on the skills that they are looking to grow as future members of our society. It it also gives them an opportunity for them to meet other people and and to build a social life around that and to get ideas from the marketplace, if you will. So I think the high schooler needs to get involved, whether that's in a sport or being on a team right away and have that part of their life sort of situated and growing. And then next to it is the academic aspect of it. And I think the one thing a high schooler has to remember is that this is just it's not a job to go to school. It's not a job to go to class. There's a purpose. What is the one thing that you can take from this class at this time and take it with you to the next class and grow it? What is that one skill? You know, I tell my kids that all the time. They, they complain about a teacher. They complain that the class is boring. I ask them, what do they do? What are they actually, what kind of work products are they creating? What are they doing? And then I help them to find the skill and I say, well, you're going to need that skill because you're going to need to learn how to use Excel to build a budget. Or you're going to need that skill because you're going to need to be able to navigate the healthcare process. So you're going to need that background foundational knowledge. So I think educators need to do that for students because they don't know. They think it's all about me. And I, I, you know, I should be there and entertained by this, this opportunity and and I'm going to be on my phone otherwise. Um, But I I think, you know, if you can help to kind of reframe that for the student and they can carry that skill with them to college, I think they're just going to be better off. So get involved and I guess, you know, reframe for students what it is that they are going to attain as a result of this course they're taking. Fantastic, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being on today. That was our guest today, everyone, Suzanne Carbonero. Again, if you're a Yankee fan, check out her blog on bleedingyankeeblue.com. Next week's guest is John Exantis, the superintendent of Valley Central Schools, who was the former superintendent at Port Jervis Schools. And we want to uh, end with a quote that was uh, based on our theme today, Make It Happen. So actually two quotes. The first one, get your pen, jot it down. If it is to be, it is up to me. If it is to be, it is up to me. And the second quote, you may have heard something like this before, but it is, the really hard workers in life also seem to be really lucky. The really hard workers in life also seem to be really lucky. Have a great day, everyone. Again, a shout out to Suzanne Carbonero. Suzanne, thanks for coming on. 
and uh, go out and change the world for the better, everyone. This was Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Andrew Murata signing off.